Welcome to Explore Purpose. My goal is to inspire you to live a life of purpose so that you can make a greater impact on the world around you. Hi, my name is Conrad Weaver. I'm your host, and I'm excited to share this new content for you. And I'm so grateful that you decided to stop by today. Hey, I want to invite you something really special that's coming up this week on Thursday, March 3rd. I'm hosting a live interactive Zoom meeting for you. It's called the Explore Purpose Insiders. If you are interested in purpose and interested in learning from people like you, come join me at this event. Explore Purpose Insiders will be a monthly meeting and each month we'll have a special guest and you'll have opportunity to meet and connect with others who are exploring and living out their purpose. This first one is our is our inaugural Explore Purpose Insider group, and it's just the time for us to get to know each other and to make connections. And so join me this Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern time. So to join, just go to the website, uh, explorepurpose.com and click on the Insiders link, and it'll get you registered. Or you can go down to the show notes on this podcast or here on YouTube and click on the link and it'll take you right to the site to get registered. I can't wait to see you and to meet you on Zoom. You'll never know who's gonna be there and what connections you'll make. For the past 25 years, Sam Brownback has climbed the political ladder. In 1986, he became the Secretary of Agriculture in Kansas. And then in 1994, he was elected to the US House of Representatives for Kansas second congressional district. And only two years later, he was elected to the US Senate, taking Bob Dole's seat. Following an unsuccessful run for the Republican nomination for president, he was elected as governor of Kansas in 2011 and was governor until 2018, when he was appointed by the Trump administration as the US ambassador at large for international religious freedom. And he was in that office until the Biden administration took office. Sam's political ambitions nearly cost him his family relationships, but a prayer for help led to a scare early in his congressional career that helped him refocus his purpose. Today on the Explore Purpose podcast, Sam shares what keeps him focused on his eternal purpose. So here's my interview with Sam Brownback. Well, today I am privileged to have a former governor, Sam Brownback, with me on the Explore Purpose podcast. Sam, welcome to the show. Hey, Conrad. Great to join you. I'm glad you're doing this kind of show. Uh, this, is, this is right up my alley. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it might purpose. be. <laughs> yeah. So I want to get into a little bit of your story, but uh, for the audience who maybe not is not familiar with you, tell us who you are and what do you do? Well, a year ago, I left the ambassadorship uh, for religious freedom, International Ambassador for Religious Freedom. And since then, I've been just putting together really things, uh, doing international religious freedom work. I'm a senior fellow at Open Doors uh, USA. I'm pushing forward on an apology to Native Americans that we've got passed by Congress, but never spoken by the president. Uh, I continue to, and then just this week, we launched a national committee for religious freedom, stand up for religious freedom here at home. Prior to that, I was an ambassador, governor, senator in Congress, worked agriculture issues prior to that, and uh, trained as a lawyer. Well, I really appreciate you, you taking time today to be on the program. I want to ask you, you know, how has your personal journey impacted your purpose? You know, it's it's been everything. 
Uh, and I even wrote a book on this. I uh, called it From Power to Purpose. And, you know, because at first my journey was I just really sought to, I wanted to be in Congress. Mm. Uh, you know, now and I, I kind of covered in, in myself of, you know, I want to do this because I want to do good things. Mm -hmm. When I really kind of peel away the la layers to the onion, I, the reason I wanted to do it is I wanted to be in Congress and I wanted to have that kind of feel of power and what I was doing. And then I got cancer uh, mm -hmm. while I was in the Congress. And that just really caused a search for mm -hmm. if, if this was the end and it was it was melanoma and melanoma. If you get ahead of it, you're great. If you get mm -hmm. behind it, not so good. Uh, and it was in that period before we really knew where it was that, you know, I'm just what if what if this is it? And I just wasn't happy with how I'd lived life. Uh, so I it mean, gave you a new perspective on who you are. It gave me a new perspective on what I do and why I do it. Mm. It, it, it made my faith real. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when you face the, a question of death, you've mm. got to decide, what do I really believe? Mm -hmm. What do I really believe that I'm willing to hang my life and mm. soul on? And it, and it made me look at all the, you know, the little things that I was pursuing that were earthly, that if I die ends with me mm -hmm. and made me go, you know, that's just, that's just not worth anything. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe, I, okay, so let's say I get over the cancer, which I did, and I live for another 50 years, mm -hmm. okay? It's still over after 50 <laughs> years. Right. And that time goes so fast. Mm -hmm. And so just really made me stop and say, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm done working just for earthly things. And I want to look at the long picture. I want to serve God. I follow Jesus. I do it imperfectly. I'm a flawed, flawed man. But it really radically, it radically changed my outlook on why I did things and my, my motivation underneath it. Mm -hmm. You know, something that I'm reading a book right now by Donald Miller, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. Yeah. So he's the, the founder of uh, a company out of Nashville. They do a lot of marketing and that they're called Story Brand. And he wrote a book recently, just came out a couple of weeks ago called Hero on a Mission. And it's about purpose and about discovering your purpose. And he he states in here that that he every morning he gets up a few years ago, he wrote his obituary. And every morning when he gets up, he reads his obituary. It's fictional, but something that helps him focus. He said, because if we don't focus on the end that we are finite, then it, it, it gives us more clarity when we focus on that. Absolutely. Have you found that? Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I, used, to, I used to regularly do to-do list. You know, mm -hmm. I think everybody does a to-do. I got to do this, 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 this today. I then started thinking, you know, really what I need is a to-be list. Hmm. I want to be more loving and caring and considerate, and I want to help my family and and then see each moment for its preciousness. I had a friend of mine who lost his wife to cancer at a young age. They've still got four young children, and they were fighting through it. And she decided to go through a final stage of chemotherapy, even though the only thing it would do was maybe give her another month at best, mm -hmm. at best. But they did it because whoever might walk into that room to see him might be the person they were supposed to touch that day. Mm -hmm. And they would look at each other when somebody would walk in their room and they'd say, is this the one? Mm -hmm. 
And you just go, wow, what a way to look at life on just, is this, is this the moment? Is this mm-hmm. the person? And truth be told, everybody is the person. It, yeah. Every moment is the moment. You know, I travel frequently with the work I do and occasionally, not all the time, but sometimes before I get on a plane, I just say a prayer, you know, you know, God, who would you want me to have an interaction with today? And I don't always do that. Sometimes I do. And then sometimes those opportunities come that are amazing. Yeah. That you didn't plan whatsoever. Right. But you had to be open to it. Mm hmm. I was in the Ukraine getting on a plane and there was a group of uh, Orthodox rabbis uh, that had just come there to honor a, a rabbi who has since deceased that, that, that they had followed and they really followed his teachings. And, and I sat down next to one of the rabbis uh, that was leaving, leaving the Ukraine. And he said to me, this rabbi, his main point was just talk to somebody <laughs> and just, just engage him. Uh, and you know, like, so he sat down on the plane and he engaged me and had a delightful conversation mm-hmm. that's lasted with me five years since, mm-hmm. but, uh, but his, the, the rabbi's whole point was just talk to him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, that's sometimes we get into situations and, and today it's even worse with COVID and, you know, masking and all this stuff where we've been so separated from each other. Yeah, we have. And I think we're, we're designed for those kind of interactions, aren't we? Oh, we are. We are. And that's, but I would find myself, the fear is so palpable in the air, mm. particularly that first year of COVID, you know, mm. go into a store and you got your, your mask mm-hmm. on covering who you are so you can't really mm-hmm. recognize people a lot and then if somebody comes near you you walk the other way mm-hmm. you walk further away from them because they might have the virus that jumps on you mm-hmm. and I, I said what a terrible way to go about mm-hmm. human interaction there's no spontaneity to interactions and then everything is just covered in fear yeah it's yeah. all about fear and i i think this is a really harmful thing for, yeah. and I fell for it myself. I'm not saying I was better. Sure. Than I've, I've gotten <laughs> caught up in the fear too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We could go down a whole rabbit trail there <laughs> with, with that. But I want to ask, you know, how did your time in politics impact your purpose? You know, at the, at the first, like the first two offices I was in Kansas secretary of agriculture and, and Congress until I got the cancer, you know, it was about it was about me. Now I, I believed I was doing good, mm-hmm. but you know, deep down within me, the on the throne of my life, I was sitting on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, now Jesus was in the room, <laughs> but I was on the throne. And then mm-hmm. after I had cancer, I said, "No, nah, this this is yours. I can't handle mm-hmm. this." And it just really gave me um, a real change of perspective. And then the chaplain of the Senate, he had a, a lesson one day. He asked, he asked the members of the Senate over there, he said, how many constituents do you have? And, you know, of course, if you're a U.S. senator, you know exactly how many constituents mm-hmm. you have. And you know exactly what it takes to get 50% plus one mm-hmm. uh, to vote for you. Mm-hmm. And so we go around the room, 9.3, 7.6, 3.1, 2.7, you know. And he says, okay said, now, may I suggest to you that you really just have one constituent, Mm. and that's God. Mm. And if he's happy, everything's going to work. And if he isn't, it really doesn't matter what 
all you do. And kind of going, okay, I, you know, I kind of, I kind of like that perspective. And so I, I left there thinking, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to be a Senator. Like I've got one constituent. Mm. And so I said, well, what's he interested in? Well, I know he's interested in the poor. Mm. I know he's interested in the downtrodden. Uh, I, I mean, you can just read Bible counts or really any theological belief and they're, it's what really cares for the poor and the downtrodden. So I started really working on a lot of poverty issues and human rights issues and life issues, which I'd been working on. And then after six months, I got to wonder, I said, I'm thinking, can you, how can, I wonder if you can get reelected with one happy constituent. <laughs> and a poll came out that day or the next day and my poll numbers had gone up hmm. and I, Yes, you can. <laughs> Doing the right thing mm-hmm. for the right reasons. And it's just, it's a beautiful clarifying thing mm-hmm. as a politician. And really, it should be a clarifying thing for all of us, no matter what we are. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got to have one happy shareholder mm-hmm. yeah. or sponsor, but got to make sure it's the right one. Yeah. What challenges have you had to overcome in pursuit of your purpose? I know you mentioned cancer and um, what what other challenges have you had that? Uh, Doubt, doubt that it's really true. Does it really work that way? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Does that, is that really true? Does it really work that way? Come to me as a child. Don't just come simple and trusting. Is that, does it really work? And my experience, honestly, has been the places where I've actually lived and gone that way. It works beautifully. Most of the things of the kingdom of God are 180 degrees opposite from the kingdom of man. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in the kingdom of man, you're to be proud and hold yourself out. In the kingdom of God, you be humble and, and pride's a deadly thing. Uh, you're to, you know, assert yourself and get things for me and live for all the gusto and there you're to live for others. And so I've kind of started watching sometimes thinking, well, if I'm not going quite right, well, which way do the things of man, kingdom of man go and probably start looking and going, well, then maybe I ought to be going the other way. And the other thing, too, that's interesting about uh, about the kingdom of God in all most of his biblical stories. He doesn't want a majority. Hmm. He doesn't have a big army. A lot of times he wants a very small one that's dedicated, that wants to follow him, mm-hmm. and he'll power through them. Uh, the story of David and Goliath is the story of a big warrior and Goliath that depends on a spear and a little ruddy shepherd boy that depends on God. Hmm. And who wins the fight? Hmm. It's it's just Perspectives are very, very different, I think, when you when you try to do things for the kingdom of God. And as I say, I I do so imperfectly much of the time. I'm a work in progress. What keeps you focused and keeps you on that track? What 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 are some of your maybe daily practices? What are your things that you do to to keep that focus on on your purpose? Yeah, prayer. Uh, really, I, I spend a daily uh, daily time in prayer. Seeking God's word, good counsel, good fellowship with uh, family and a group of brothers that I travel with that I'm regularly in communication with. And um, 
those are two things in particular. And then I really try to pretty regularly, constantly during the day, kind of check myself. What are, what are we focused on now? What are we focused on now? Because I just so easily slip off. My mind will, hmm. you know, just squirrel. You know, <laughs> and I, I just I just jump off of mental focus and I just got to come back and says, you know, take every thought captive. And I thought that's impossible. I got so many random thoughts that come into my mind, but you, you can, as you really, um, eyes on Jesus, it says the author and perfecter of our faith. Mm -hmm. During your time as governor, you, you had highs and lows and you had, you had a lot of critics. How did you keep your focus when the critics were loud and boisterous? It was hard. Honestly, to not uh, just focus on the critics and get really beat down. But I can go back through, you know, my thoughts at that time. And I can see when I kept my focus uh, on the Lord, I was in good. I was in good shape. It was also, you know, part for me, I think, a real training season that you that you, you serve God, not man. Hmm. And you seek to serve him and that that's our higher calling and purpose and that there's going to be uh, critics and critiques that uh, come with that. But you, you really try to stay, stay true to him. You have got, there was, I look back on that period often and try to analyze and say, gosh, what, what would I have done different? And I, I signed a number of pro-life bills and we did a lot of welfare changes and we changed the pension system to, to make things where we did a lot of changes that, that have continued to stand, water uh, issues, wind power. And I, the only thing that I would have changed was I uh, allowed a casino to come into one part of the state uh, that I could have vetoed the bill. And I didn't because I was scared that I would lose votes in that corner of the state. Mm. So the, the one thing that I would have changed is something that <clears throat> might have made me less popular. You know, I, I, I look at it. I, it, it really, at one point in time during Lent season in my, my uh, real difficult time period there, I was telling people, well, I, uh, for Lent, I gave up popularity. <laughs> uh, and um, Was the, that hard on your ego? Was that hard on just on you personally? Well, it was certainly tough on my ego. My my mother noted to me when I was going through that period of time, she would, she said to me, I uh, said, gosh, this must really be hard on you. You've always liked to be liked by others. Uh, even when you're in the third grade, you wanted to be liked by other people. And it's, it is hard, but it, that's part of that, you know, seeking the approval of man versus the approval of God. Um, mm -hmm. In uh, Dante's Inferno, at one of the lower levels of hell, he runs into some local politicians uh, and the, the author in it asked his guide, what are, what are these guys doing here? I, I knew these guys on the surface. They were in politics and pretty uh, highly regarded. And his guide tells him these were people to whom power was given, but they were indolent. They did not do what the times required of them and what they were called to do. And that's why they're here. Boy. That's a high price to pay for popularity if that's the if that's the case. And I 
I mentioned that to my chief of staff during that period of time. And he says, well, I don't think you have to worry about that one. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think is in politics in general, there's so many people who are just, you know, wanting to get reelected and they're working to get reelected and how, if you focus on your purpose and why you're here and the why behind why you became a politician, don't you think that more people would maybe accomplish more and more work would be, be done on a positive, on a positive note? Yes. And I think more politicians would be happier. Hmm. I, I remember talking with a, a committee chairman in the house that was a, a very accomplished politician and got reelected uh, over 20 years in the house of representatives. And was a good guy. And I remember him coming up to me uh, as he was in his last term in office uh, and saying, you know, I really didn't, I don't think I played this right. I really was focused more on getting reelected and the things here and what you've done on your pursuing these areas of human trafficking and religious freedom and life. I wished I had, wished I'd done more of that. And I, I, I lamented for him because mm -hmm. he did exactly what the book tells you to do, which it, I'm saying the book, the book of politics, mm -hmm. which is focus on getting reelected, get on committees where you can raise enough money to be able to get reelected, mm -hmm. where you can get the supporters that, that you need to raise the money to do this. You got a staff behind you telling you, you know, all these great ideas are fine, but if you don't get reelected, it really doesn't matter. So you got to get reelected if we're going to pursue these other things, which puts the reelection ahead of the purpose, which then doesn't work. And it's just it's a trap and it's a deadly one with consequences for the public and for the person, for the individual. Then you get to the end of it. I got reelected 10 times. I served in Congress for 20 years. I got these things done. But these things may be repealed by the very next Congress. And they weren't from the heart. They were, they were kind of what you do to get reelected. And, and then you leave and well, what was that all about? How can that system change? That require a heart surgery, <laughs> a change of heart? Yeah, more people getting cancer in the political field, like the gift that was given to me. You know, it, and it was a gift. I was praying. I was in my first year in Congress. I was in the revolution, the Republican wave that came in that took the House for the Republicans first time in 40 years. I'm the leader of the conservative faction. We called ourselves the New Federalist. I, I mean, we we're going and blowing and uh, I'm losing my marriage mm -hmm. and I'm losing my family. I've got three little kids at the time. And I'd come back from a week in Congress and I'd tell my wife all about the things we're doing. And she would just say, you know, look, I'm just concerned that you don't know your kids. Hmm. And, but I was caught. I couldn't get out of it. And I pray and I said, Lord, you got to change me because I can't change myself. And it wasn't two weeks later, I was diagnosed with cancer. Wow. Now that wasn't the answer I was looking for. <laughs> of course. But it worked. And a number of my close friends lost their marriages mm. and they uh, and, you know, lost the relationship with their family. So 20 years later, I'm in the same place where I prayed that prayer 20 years earlier, looking back on 
my friends, many of which who were divorced and estranged from their family and was on that ended up on what happened to them was the trail I was on. Mm. And I just kind of prayed to the Lord. So why, why do you save me? Not them. And the thought that hit me was, well, you asked, mm. you asked and I, and I had, I, and I asked just tears cause I, I was, I was locked in and I couldn't get off that path. Mm-hmm. I was stuck. And uh, so I, I just considered a great gift. And I. Why do you think it sometimes requires that kind of a difficulty for us to really refocus? You know, I think it almost not for everybody, but for a lot of people, it does. We're we're a, a rich culture. You know, riches in the Bible are really that's a heavy burden. Mm-hmm. Very few. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now you can do it, but what would it feel like to pull a camel through the eye of a needle if you were the camel? I mean, it would have to feel really rough. Yeah. And I think that's what happens when you're in a a wealthy society. Like not everybody here is wealthy, but this relative to the rest of the world, this is a very wealthy country. I just think it, a lot of times it takes a lot of difficulty to get that change of mental focus to happen. Mm-hmm. What would you say your purpose is here moving forward? What, what, is, what is that thing that drives you? What, what, what are you working toward? You know, I'm, I'm 65 now. Uh, we'll, uh, I don't know how many years I have left. My, my dad turns 91 next month, so could be a good bit could be you don't know how long so really anymore what i tried i don't make yearly goals and i haven't for a number of years my my real objective is just to be really pure in my pursuit of what god would have me do and to seek every day well what's what's on today and to be open i know i'm really working on religious freedom issues a lot mm. both international and domestic we're working to get refugees out of Afghanistan, a fair group of us to still get people out there that are that are hung up carrying this Native American apology. I've, I've mentioned I uh, want to see that across the finish line because I think racial reconciliation is something we desperately need, particularly mm-hmm. Native Americans and African-Americans in this country. It's just so palpably visible that mm-hmm. we need to do that. Um, so I, you know, I, I see those different things and causes, and I, okay, let's let's what let's do what I can do at this point, and um, that's what that's what I uh, what I move in. Hmm. What are what's a practical activity or something that I can do to move me toward exploring or discovering my purpose? What's something that that uh, someone listening to this can actually do today to move toward that purpose? There's a little book called The Dream Giver, and it's an evening read. You can get that book and um, just just follow its path. And, and the, the story, it's a little parable. Uh, it's somebody that sees a feather, and they see in this that uh, they've been given a dream, and it's an unusual dream. And they start telling their friends about it, and their friends say, people like us don't do things like that. But they continue to pursue the dream, and you've got to be shaped. The dreamer has to be shaped to achieve the dream. 
And then he achieves the dream and he finds out the dream's not for him anyway. It was for somebody else. But if he doesn't do his dream, somebody else gets hurt. And then the dream's taken away from him because it wasn't theirs in the first place. You know, and I think almost everybody that watches this, I think everybody, you can go in anywhere, go into the coffee shop, and the person that's waiting on you behind the counter. If you ask them, what's the, what's the real dream that sits inside of you that you want to do and be? And what, what is it? If you ask that person to think for one minute, they know what it is. Mm. They could come up with it right then, but they would immediately surround themselves with the thought of, but, you know, look, I'm just working here at this coffee shop. I don't see how that's practical for me to do. I grew up on a pig farm in eastern Kansas with a family that I'd never met a congressman growing up. They don't come to Parker, Kansas, but 250 people. Well, how did I end up in this play? Well, you, I was given a big dream. And and then just um, willing to follow that, regardless of the illogic. I can remember being in my dorm room as a freshman at K-State, watching Bob Dole debate another person for the Senate seat for his election and just blurting out, that's what I want to do someday. (laughs) And my roommate, who was from the same high school I went to, just laughed and thought, that's the stupidest thing. You're never going to do what mm-hmm. we guys like us don't do things like that. <laughs> Years later, I'm in the Dole Senate seat. But, but everybody has that dream. It's just almost most people, a lot of people just suppress it because it just seems too crazy to them. What, what do you do to suppress that? What can you do to kind of quiet those negative voices? Not give them place, not let them govern your mind and go in your mind saying, well, Lord, I don't know how we're going to do this. And you're going to do it more than me, just like David, when he goes against Goliath, he doesn't say, "Okay, I got a rock and I'm really pretty good at throwing these rocks. He doesn't say that. He says, you know, you have insulted the living God and I fight in that power. And he believed. I, I think one just, it's, you know, when, when Elizabeth meets Mary and she's carrying Jesus, Elizabeth says to her, says, blessed are you for believing what's been said to you. It was the faith. It was the belief that, that brought the dream through her uh, moving on forward. And that's what everybody can do that. It is hard and it is counterintuitive to beat the band. I mean, it's just something that most people would kind of go, I don't have that much faith. And you say to them, you don't need to. You just ask for it. Ask for the faith. Throw You, don't, you only need the faith of a mustard seed, just a little mm-hmm. tiny, tiny bit. Most everybody's got that much. There's a verse on a, a large and effective gate has been opened unto me and many enemies are around. And I think most people, they, they don't look for the gate. Or if they see it, they feel the enemies shooting at them. And the only person that can stop you from going through that gate's you. You're the only one that can stop you, but most people do stop themselves because they feel some pressure, or they this or that, and they go, oh, I don't want to do that. Or they don't even look for the gate. Mm-hmm. 
they see the gate and they just think, I can't do that and walk on. They, they react instead of responding to the situation where they just see it, not can't do it, go instead of looking at the gate and going, huh, let me think about that. And I wonder if I could walk through, I wonder if I could do that. Because really the only thing I've done in life is walk through the open gates that have been presented to me. Mm-hmm. But it, you get hit walking through open gates. Uh, but I've had gates where I reacted to it and I didn't walk through it. And those are the biggest laments of my life. Mm -hmm. Mm. So what gives you hope for the future? It's God's a good God. He loves Mm. us and he doesn't need a majority. He needs a remnant, just needs a few. Uh, And they're here. There, There are people around. I just, but that doesn't mean it's not going to be hard. That doesn't mean that that things are easy. Doesn't mean that if you have faith, you won't get COVID, because uh, people with faith do get COVID. But it means when you go through it, there'll be there'll be somebody there with you. There'll be a, a soul alongside you. You know, the interesting thing to me is that I was a very ambitious young man. Uh, and and self-focused, as I said, I didn't think I was, but I was. Once I died to myself, really, there during that cancer episode, and so the a lot of the selfish ambition really went away. Not all of it. I mean, I still, I'm my greatest enemy is still the old Sam Brownback. Mm-hmm. But since that time, I've run for the Senate. Uh, I've run for the presidency. Uh, I've been a senator. I ran an elected governor, I've been an ambassador, and now doing these startup and global projects on different things. But that wasn't my ambition. You know, it it just, that's the interesting thing about God, once you give up on everything, he more than Mm. gives things back to you. Mm. And it wasn't me trying to get them done. If it were just me trying to get it done, and God hadn't corrected me, I'd be have a broken family situation and who knows, who knows where I'd be doing what. Mm. So final, final question. What are some of those, and you've probably talked a little bit about this. What are some of those big life lessons you've learned along the way? Um, God is real. He loves us very much. If you have children or everybody's has children or is a child, you know how much your parents love you. God loves you a thousand times more. He really cares. He cares about the long-term picture. Hmm. Here is important, but this isn't what it's about. It's about the eternal picture. Because this this period is very finite and goes very fast. But this is where you make your choice. You know, do do you follow him or do you not? And I think the real life lesson is that God's real and he loves us very much. And if, if one can grasp that, life doesn't, isn't then near as troubling. You're still going to have troubles. Mm-hmm. But you, you know, there's, there's a different set of, there's a hope that's out there that this is going to work out in the end. Well, I, I love Mother Teresa's thoughts on this said, you know, at the end of life uh, and in heaven, you're going to look back on life as kind of a, uh, if it was troubling, you know, some people have a really difficult time, but it's going to be kind of like a night in a bad hotel. 
it says these 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 momentary afflictions produce an eternal weight of glory. And so we're going to have trouble here. And some people have really hard life. I look at it and I just go, I don't know how you handle that. Mm-hmm. God grants grace. And, um, and it's in the end, it's worth it. And, and he's pulling for us incredibly. Mm-hmm. Well, those are great comforting words for, for all of us. And uh, Sam, thank you for the work you have done over the years. Thank you for pursuing your purpose and, and, uh, finding that and and living that out. And I appreciate your example that you set for all of us. Well, it's an imperfect one for sure, but I'm I'm a work in progress and we're still working at it from power to purpose. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for being on the, on the podcast today. I really appreciate your time. My pleasure. God bless you all. Thank you, Sam, for sharing your purpose journey with us. I'm really grateful for the work you're doing on racial reconciliation, and I'm looking forward to watching you fulfill your purpose in these areas. Hey, if you've enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. I'd love to hear what you thought about the show, and I'd love to hear how you are living out your purpose. And be sure to follow us on all the socials, check out the links in the show notes, and be sure to register for the Explore Purpose Insiders coming up this week. Until next time, go out and make an impact by living life with purpose. Hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. I'll talk to you again next time on the Explore Purpose podcast.